When Jim Lee wants to draw a Superman comic, Jim Lee draws a Superman comic. And when Jim Lee requests a writer to work with him on Superman, that writer works with him on Superman. But what if that writer has no interest or love whatsoever for the big blue Boy Scout? That's the dilemma Brian Azzarella finds himself in as he reluctantly accepts the writing chores for the 12-part epic Superman for tomorrow, wherein Superman finds himself in the throes of a confusing plot and his only escape from the clutches of mind fuckery is to just close his eyes for a year and wait for another creative team to join the title. Join hosts Nick and Bruno as they try to make sense of all the twists and turns and fake-ass General Zods in this week's labyrinthine episode of... Oh God, it burns. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of... Oh God, God it burns. burns! And this time, unlike, you know, last time I promised you that we'd cry for justice, but then all of a sudden we started getting these memories these faint memories of something we'd done a long time ago that did many terrible things it was something like we almost blocked it out intentionally as we knew that this kind of evil needed to be contained almost like (laughs) (laughs) almost like brian azarello and jim lee did to superman and superman for tomorrow which is a much more natural one. Whereas before we were talking about J. say they had a huge creative team coming on in and they were supposed to change everything forever until DC was just like, hey, we're hitting the reboot button and JMS was like, well, fuck you! <laughs> and just up and left to make graphic novels. This was back in 2005, 2006. This was actually on the heels of Jim Lee doing Hush. Yep. After Hush, that 12-issue series... Brian Azzarello and Eduardo Risso came on to do this uh, six-issue series called Batman Broken City, which is actually pretty good. Most notable for me because in Hush, the lizard was an actual fucking lizard, and in Broken City, he was back to being just a thug with a skin condition. You mean Killer Croc. Killer Croc. Did I say Hush? You definitely said lizard. No! (laughs) (laughs) You definitely said lizard. Spider-Man just came by and be like, bitch. (laughs) Yeah. Man, well, my brain's in a bunch of knots, and you'll understand why <laughs> when we get into the whole thing. But anyway, so Jim Lee really wanted to do another project because basically the whole story behind that one was like Jeff Loeb walked in and his balls swinging. This is after he did uh, Long Halloween, Dark Victory. He was the man for Batman during this time, and he slapped his balls on the table along with a $1,000 bet. And he said, Jim Lee, I challenge you. You need to do 12 consecutive issues no late work can't have a skip issue you can't have anything shipped late and if you do that with me i'll give you one thousand dollars and that kind of like reignited jim lee like getting back into comics big time yep and then for his follow-up he decided he's just like you know what? i want to work on superman but i want to work with one of the best writers in the industry someone who is known for creating and writing stories that have no connection to Superman's world whatsoever. That's true. And someone who should never be writing Superman whatsoever. Also true. So he went to Brian Azzarella, and Brian Azzarella was just like, why me? I don't like Superman. I should never have to write Superman. And then Jim Lee was like, because I want to draw it, and I want your words to show me the way. And that's how we got Superman for tomorrow. Secret origin, secret <laughs> files. And honestly, this was like when he approached 
Brian Azzarello for this. Brian Azzarello was already working on a Batman follow-up. Yeah. And I feel like so much of that got reappropriated into the story. He's like, I could still use this page. We'll just take out the Batmobile. Look, he already flies. I don't need that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'll be good. So this actually is uh, Superman for Tomorrow. It's, uh, again, a 2005-2006 era story. Uh, encompasses the issues. Uh, number Superman number 204 to 215. And it immediately follows an, like almost an Elseworldsy type of story called yeah. Superman Godfall, where Michael Turner was on. Joe Kelly wrote it. It was like a jarring like thing because it picked up right after Godfall, and then there's no like set way. Like you're dropped in the middle of the story, and you're like, "Yeah, did I miss something?" It's like, the only reason I mentioned Godfall is because you felt like you missed something, and if you didn't read Godfall, you were like, "Did all of this happen in Godfall?" No, you would just have to wait about eight issues to figure out what the hell happened. It, it was one of those things where it's like, and it, it was kind of against DC, because DC usually has kind of a bit of a formula. Like, they'll do a big event thing, and then they'll usually do, like, like a one-off short story that'll kind of just, you know, let things settle a bit, and then they'll pick up, like, the next big arc, almost kind of, like, giving you time to be like, all right, this is what's coming up. But, like, this time, they just kind of, one right after the other, but... It picked up mid-story, and there was no explanation for it. Yeah. Like, what, what, what And happened? the thing we're talking about is this thing called The Vanishing, where if you think of the Thanos snap, where Thanos snaps and half of existence is wiped out, this time, a year later, a full fucking year, where no other threads were picked up in any of the books, this is the only thing, it jumps a year, Which is we not- find out that half of the world is missing, or at least like three million people just up and vanished. Yeah, they're just gone. And it's it's really weird that like it is a, a year later and mm-hmm. these people are gone and there's no mention of it. Even the superheroes are like, "Well, we've got to keep going. Like life yeah. goes on." Like none of the superheroes are missing, by the way. Yeah, none of them. Just just regular everyday people. It's like just oh. you know Lois Lane. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's like regular everyday people, but people that are tied to. It, which is why it seems so weird and out of place to start up the story a year later. Mm-hmm. And it's like they couldn't wait like another year to do the one year later, <laughs> right after like Crisis on Infinite Earths. Like this actually would have fit in pretty well, where it's just like, oh, cool. So there's like a whole vanishing thing, a bunch of people missed post Crisis. That was an actual one year later story. Yeah. This is a one year later story that like had no effect whatsoever. Introduced a bunch of characters that would never be followed up on. True. And uh, had the fourth incarnation of Zod, which was the biggest failure. Yes. <laughs> Probably out of them all. And we're t- even including fucking fake-ass Russian Zod. Yes. You know, Crimson... Crimson... Uh, Pokilistan yeah. Zod. Actually, originally, some Russian guy named Zed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, my name's close enough. <laughs> Why not to be Zod? He's like, it's just my accent. I say Zed, you hear Zod, I go with Zod. <laughs> well, yeah, so it's this... Story is such an anomaly because up until now we've gotten like pretty decent Superman stories. Uh, like this is right off the heels of Joe Casey's long run. He also did uh, Godfall, which I honestly haven't read, but I remember not being a fan of Michael Turner's art. I know sue I, me, but I think no, he does no, no, better no, no, covers no. than he does in. I, I think that was the biggest problem with Godfall was that he like redrew Superman's suit and everything. Yeah, and not a lot of people were happy with the design. They were like, it's too much. But it was like an Elseworlds type of story. 
But it was co- in continuity. That was the problem. Yeah, and it was the, in Elseworlds in continuity. And the issue with that was, like, it was too much Turner, not enough actual Superman. Like, the suit itself didn't even make sense why yeah. he switched to it. The the character they introduced, I think his name was Prius. I think, <laughs> I think it, was, <laughs> it was, was Prius? I think it was actually Prius. It was P-R-E-U-S, like, like Zeus, so Bruce or Prius. Prius. It was either Prius or Prius. Either way, um, not a bad villain, but overall not the greatest like I, I think they were trying to go for the next Zod, mm-hmm. um, and they wound up with you know Russian Zod. <laughs> yeah, right out Russian Zod. Uh, but it's like right after Godfall, it picks up. There's a priest in a really gothic looking church, and right now I know for what you're second, thinking. It's not this Daredevil. is a Batman story, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no, for a second I'm like, did I pick up a Daredevil comic book yeah. by accident? <laughs> like, like, why what, is this? What the hell is going like, on? Here? I know Superman's always been a Christ-like figure. But this seems really on the nose, and then all of a sudden this priest, like, sees this vision above him, and it's Superman flying above him. He's just like, I need to talk to you about something. I really have done fucked up. I goofed, man. I goofed big time. It's sad, because I could kind of hear that accent. Actually, it's, it's really funny, but when I went back and read this, point for point, which will come into play later... But it reminded me of Batman versus Superman, that one scene where all the people are like, there's a flood and they're all dying. And they're like, help us. And Superman's just standing there floating above them with the cape billowing, but not helping anyone. Just like, I am God. <laughs> Sorry, so, I'm just as human as you are. Right? I'm helpless to stop this. So it's, I, I, I never like that idea because to me, the whole thing of Superman is he would never put himself in that position to be above anyone else. Um, he knows he has these powers, but it's kind of like Steve Rogers. Like, he wants to go above and beyond. So to have this Christ-like like imagery, and then that's literally what the scene was. Like, he looks up, and there's Superman flying into the church with, like, the holy light behind him. I'm yep. like, oh, dear God. It was like, oh, God, damn. And it's like, Azarello, he has a very unique voice to him where he kind of like does a lot of wordplay lots of puns it's very <laughs> dark and noirish and right off the bat like it's in there and it's like superman speaking in riddles it's like it seems so out of character and then the whole first half of the story is told as a flashback yeah. so it starts in media res then it goes back to a flashback, which we will find out is not far back enough to figure out what the hell is going on. That's true. So it starts off with a flashback, which is like, listen, I messed up. It all started, which it didn't all start. No. No, no, <laughs> no. Don't even think for a second it all started here. It all started when I went to go take this Middle Eastern despot out. And he had this thing called like an orb that was responsible for like vanishing three million people. So this guy had an orb that vanished three million people. And Superman was convinced, like, this is the thing that messed everything up. And then he goes and confronts him, and he's talking about power and everything, and this guy's just like, oh, whatever, I just used this to make sure I uh, created stability in this uh, part of the world. Uh, Why don't you just go and talk to my associate, Equus? And Equus turns around, it's like the biggest, most image-ass villain, where it's just like muscles on top of muscles. It looks like he escaped, like, an unused concept for Pit. The character yeah. Pit. It's like... That's that's literally his... Which was Image's version of the Hulk. <laughs> she agrees. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Bruno, why don't you keep talking while I kick my dog out of this room? <laughs> and hopefully she will be quiet outside the room. <laughs> Sounds good. So, uh, so in comes this character um, named Equus. 
and he's working for this dictator uh, who is t- basically like some African warlord who has just taken over this country. Um, and Superman, this is where like it actually got really good because it started talking about like Superman addressing politics. Because here's this dude who just created this bloody coup and took over this land and set himself as power. And Superman's like, you're a bloodthirsty warlord, I'm going to take you down. But then he like opens the door, like very like Castro-esque, and there's all the people chant- chanting his name. And he's like, they think I'm a hero. Yeah. So, uh, so who are you to tell me that I can't run this country? And it's like, well, you took it by power. And he's like, let me show you what the other guy did that I, who I just took out. So like Superman has these really tough, like actual moral quandaries about how much power can he exert before he's taking away the rights of... Yeah. And there's also like a really good scene too where Superman like whips up a bunch of dust to like blind his enemies or what I can't quite remember what it was Equus was was fighting him yeah so he was trying to blind Equus and all of a sudden there was like a bunch of dead bodies buried underneath the sand because there was the pit that thousands of them yeah the pit that Equus was at where where he was dumping these guys turns out that that pit had literally thousands of bodies there so Superman confronts the, the warlord and he's like I didn't put those bodies there that guy that you said that I shouldn't take out and shouldn't kill he put those bodies He was there. the one that did this. So what are you going to do about it? Yeah. Bitch. Right? <laughs> so, yeah, so it was this great political moment, and then it turned into, like, another, you know, superhero bout yeah. knuckle brawl. But it was really strange seeing, like, Superman embroiled in, like, world politics and everything. Like, it, it did kind of take me out to it for a little bit, but I was just like, oh, uh, this is this is kind of interesting take. I like the, the idea that he's actually trying to do this. The, the biggest thing is there was a lot that he tried to do, but it seemed like he just didn't want to focus on anything. He didn't have the heart for it. No, he, didn't he didn't want to focus on Superman. He wanted to focus on anything other than Superman. And he did, because he, he gave Which us... Which is why the priest is the main character of gave, this entire story. He gave us the priest as the main character for the first mm. half of the book, and then this storyline that was a good like version of Superman embroiled in politics. Then we had, like, um, the device gets activated again and more people disappear. And now they've confirmed that this device is the source of all the vanishings. So Superman is going to try to figure out what that is. And then we have all the people reacting to trying to stop Superman. Meanwhile, the Justice League, knowing that the vanishing happening, even though there's no sign of it in any of their main books. They're just like, I don't care, dude, that's your problem. It's a Metropolis problem. Yeah. It's a Metropolis problem. But then, like, Aquaman comes and tries to stop him. Wonder Woman's on a... a... Jihad? (laughs) (laughs) Seems like it. She's, like, kind of waging a slight holy war. In fact, she's using, using a biblical tool because one of the... The new characters that's introduced and never brought back up again. She, she's literally introduced for a moment, and it's just for a plot beat. But she, it's her name a, is Hedaya. It's a witch that creates these four, um, essentially guardians of the world made out of elements. Yeah. Um, to attack Superman to get him to leave the planet because she blames him for the banishing. A year later, mind you, not like three months later. A year later, she's like, "It's his fault." Um, Taking him out. He takes. He takes them out in the most non-Superman way possible by threatening, like, the end of the Earth. He's like, listen, you can kill the entire world. I'm like, what? <laughs> and he's like, I will still be here yeah. until there's nothing left. And then I'll just go find another world. And yeah, become- Superman was just like, so you're going to keep beating me up. Uh, the When you beat me up, it causes more destruction. You destroy the Earth. And when you destroy the Earth, you'll be the only ones left. 
aside from me. Now, you got a choice to make. You can either stop this foolishness right now, or I will let you destroy this entire planet just so I can suck the air out of the ozone and destroy you later. Then I'll just fuck off to a new planet and be a new foreigner over there, and everything will be cool. Does that sound like Superman? No. I mean, the closest I've ever heard is, like, Doctor Who tried that very same, like... It was it wasn't like reverse psychology he's trying, but like, it didn't come off as reverse it, psychology. It, that's whatsoever. the thing, it was reverse psychology, but then after the, it was done, like the witch was like, Would he really do that? Because there was a hint in his voice that he's at the point where he actually would. And all of this is because as you said, Lois was gone. He had nobody it's almost like Superman is not Superman without Lois to anchor him, which is actually a very depowering story for Superman. Yeah, I mean, you think about what Bendis is doing recently, and Lois did disappear for a very long time, and then what did Superman do? He started macking on a firefighter. <laughs> yeah, he did. <laughs> and now in this one, he's just like, everything's gone, the world sucks, and it is fifteen, it is, it is 12 issues of Superman with a 5 o'clock shadow. Looks like he's been hard drinking like Superman 3. Yes, I was <laughs> thinking that. <laughs> Someone needs to break out that red kryptonite and get a regular Superman back. But what we're missing in all this doom and gloom and all this world politics and all this like lack of fun that is just completely missing from the Superman story. Oh my god. Is that there are the elementals, and one of the elementals is the freaking Mount Rushmore that comes alive and goes to beat up Superman, but it only is alive for a long enough for Superman to threaten it. So it's like all this fun stuff starts happening, but because everything happens in media res. And in flashback, like simultaneously, we're in media res, then we go into flashback where Superman's like just narrating the hell out of everything that's going on. Nothing seems like it has any stakes. Nothing seems like it has any fun because that one moment to have fun in this story was taken over by Superman just like talking like a high school, like uh, hormonal kid. I just had an epiphany. Like, what happened? I think the people that wrote this are responsible for the DCEU. <laughs> well, funny you should mention that. <laughs> that actually segues to something really funny. We'll get to that later. <laughs> but just so you know, this may have been really inspirational to certain people who were making the DCEU. This is true. Because this does seem like almost like nihilist Superman that we got in Man of Steel, that we got in Batman vs. Superman. And that we got for, like, a glimpse in Justice League before he came being fun Superman that he always should have been. The problem with, I think, the For Tomorrow storyline is that it wrote Superman like Batman. And here's the thing. You can do disheartened and dark Superman, and it's done well as long as you amplify the fact that he is disheartened. That he is trying to be be what he once was but this one it just seemed like he was just lost he's very lost in this and, and he's like completely broken but which isn't such a bad thing really it's just like he what do you do with all that power you can do whatever you want to do but if you've lost and you have no direction whatsoever like that's an interesting take but here's the thing it's been a year so you're telling me in a year he never coped with it no, i know he never, he never did. shaved yes he stopped shaving, so he, he lost that ability, and then he stopped, like, looking. Like, it's really weird, because you would think that he would scour the ends of the earth yeah. and beyond to find it. Well, he did find the orb. By happenstance, because the dictator decided to finally, like, do something and take control of it. If that dude hadn't done anything and just, like, oh, well, the country's gonna keep being crap, yeah. Superman would never have found anything and would have been, like... 
he would have been super emo boy for the rest of his life. Yeah. And then, like, in the middle of it, we also had this other subplot going on. Aside from Halcyon, who turns out to be Delilah from Biblical... Only never mentioned that she is Delilah. It's just that she had a weapon that cut the hair off of Superman or way cut, back in ancient times. That cut the hair off of a Superman. Which was Samson. Yeah. So this is Delilah. And her, she also... Her name is Hedaya. But Wonder Woman calls her Halcyon. <laughs> Confused? And I am. She has a dagger that could hurt Superman because it's got magical powers. Mm. Now, in the middle of all this, like Wonder Woman's also like, okay, I will go stop him. But there's this guy named Mr. Orr, O-R-R, that's going around. He was actually, I believe, first introduced back in John Burns. Uh, Man of Steel. If not Man of Steel, then like very early on in it as like a mercenary that worked for Lex Luthor. Yeah. And all of a sudden, he's back. Like He went for decades without ever appearing in a comic but it was just like all right we got jim lee we got brian azarell let's go ahead and make a big big splash dudes not only will we later on bring back a shitty version of zod but remember everyone's favorite mercenary mr Orr? yeah and everyone's just like huh Who? <laughs> Who? what was that dude oh well, was that a conjunction you just used <laughs> <laughs> mr or what <laughs> or what <laughs> Or you'll fucking threaten me with more issues of this. <laughs> the Mr. Or, O-R-R, uh, he's working as a mercenary that kind of connects a bunch of mysterious uh, organizations that are trying to create Superman. So he's going off, and he's trying to get the orbs so they can, like, have well, something. You, you or find, the orb, they want the orbs so they can do more vanishing stuff. You I don't find know. out later that the company he works for, they're like, because it starts off like he just works for these really rich clandestine conglomerates and their job is to create and control like all like big play moves so this vanishing thing is a big player yeah it can be used and then you find out later that they're the part of this company called project m which is like weapon x and they just create superhumans uh and they're always looking for more technology to amp up their creations yeah that look like equus that looks strangely like the main villain from street sharks yes dr Uh, paranoid (laughs) if you don't Know what Dr. Paranoid looks is. Look up Dr. Paranoid, and I shit you not, it looks almost beat for beat. Actually, it looks beat for beat like Kagor Cole, but that was the precursor to this one. Yeah. Like, this guy was the prototype for what eventually became... Rogelzar. Rogelzar. Which and you Rogel can kind of see Zarr. the same beats. Zarr is actually a pretty good character. That's because Bendis is writing. Yes, but his face looks exactly like Dr. Paranoid, down to yeah. the weird, crooked... Giant prank. To the theme. point where I even went on, like, you saw me. I was like, did Jim Lee work on Street Sharks? Did he do consultant stuff? Nope. I couldn't find anything with it, but what was the connection we found? That there was the guy that voiced Dr. Pranoid's name was J. Michael Lee. Ah! <laughs> so, unless Jim Lee's middle name is Michael, I think we may have something there. Yeah. JML. <laughs> J. Michael Lee. <laughs> Got it. We know what's up. Jim Lee. We know you've just been copying the same designs over and over and over again. <laughs> and we also know that you don't draw the best Superman, so why no. do you keep doing it? No. But anyway, so Mr. Orr. <laughs> Give back to Mr. Orr. So uh, he is infatuated with this priest character that Superman is talking to. Uh, yeah. He... And uh, do you remember uh, back when we did JMS's run where the biggest problem that the teacher lady that was like taken over by the crystal the one that was like fueled by super depression yeah yeah she's her biggest complaint was that like you Superman you're Superman you can't be around these people 
Like, I had to show you that, like, you being around people just puts them in danger. Which was a lesson that Superman should have learned back in this. So, and, and this one, this literally is exactly what played out. Because while this dude who is dying of cancer is trying to be, like, the guiding light to Superman. By the way, the priest is dying of cancer. That's why Superman came to him, because he thinks the priest can keep a secret. Because he <laughs> knows he's about to die. Yeah. All right, we didn't establish that before. Go on, Bruno. Okay. So, because of, of him going on and, like, opening his heart up to this priest, Mr. Orr is like, uh, like, when he went to go ahead and after an attack and he was looked over in the hospital, Mr. Orr pays him a visit dressed as an orderly. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, a really muscular orderly. And sticks him with, like, a tracker. And he still has his, like, uh, military glasses yeah. on. I'm pretty sure he's still wearing, like, the beret. Yeah. <laughs> Like, it just, like, he should have fooled no one. That's <laughs> what well, we're saying. I, I'm an orderly. Did, did you just come from war? <laughs> yeah. did, you, did you come from the battlefield? <laughs> it's okay. I'm an army medic. They're short-staffed. It's fine. And he's like, listen, I got what can cure you. It's right here. Yeah. And if so, you want what I got, you got to work for me against Superman. And then it's the guy's like, but why are you coming to me? I'm no one special. It's like, you must be special. Why? Because you keep talking to him. Who? I talk to a lot of people. The guy that flies, dude. <laughs> That's who you're talking to. The only him there is. <laughs> why, why would I care that you could talk to the postman? No, no, yeah. no. It's the fucking... It's the guy in the sky that keeps flying in and out of your church. That's the dude that I'm See interested in. See that red in. cape that everyone thinks is God? And since you're hanging out with him, I'm going to stick you with this tracker and lowjack your ass so I know where you are. Also, I'm going to taunt you with the cure for your cancer. Something even he so can't do. So the only reason this guy was targeted is because Superman is so depressed he's become a sloppy bitch. Yeah. So he keeps going to this priest and he's just like, listen, I messed up, dude. I messed up bad. You know, all he does is say how bad he messed up. Do you know how bad you have to be that with super speed you still can't, like, figure out a way to, like, like, incognito your way into a church? You have to fly in? (laughs) What, he just, like, comes in and just wrecks the roof? (laughs) (laughs) Superman, as soon as he comes in, his new thing is, I want to wreck it! (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so Superman, he's become so messy from his depression, which, again... Going back to JMS, this is another super super depression story. Yeah. Where it's just like he will go to the ends of the earth to try and figure out what is wrong with him. What's his PTSD going on, dude? He needs Lois. He hasn't gotten laid. He's got super blue balls for a year. That's Which, by problem. the way, as soon as he finds Lois, he has sex twice in the same issue. <laughs> I'm telling you, super blue balls is a thing. That was the issue. That's got to be it. For, yeah. to, for tomorrow, he's, he's tired of waiting until tomorrow to get laid. So, <laughs> so Mr. Orr talks to uh, Delilah slash Hedaya slash Halcyon slash looks like Pandora who kicked off New 52, but totally isn't Pandora who kicked off New 52. And then he also kind of talks Wonder Woman into... Who just shows up out of yeah. nowhere to it's be like, like, hey, sister, even though you're probably like from the Bible and... You've never existed evil, before. Give me a hug. Yeah, like, here, I'm looking out for you and I've come to you. To see what's going on. The only way I could I could rectify that this would work out was if Wonder Woman knew who she was. And when she heard, which I'm sure they announced, the golems attacking, coming to life and attacking them. She was like, oh, that's... That's Delilah. Del- that's Delilah. But only it's like a Voldemort type of thing where yeah. it's like, you can't say Delilah. No, you have to say it. Is Delilah copyright or something? Like, why did they dance around this so much? Probably because they so weren't sure they were going to use her. 
as that character, so they probably just, like, hinted at it. Because they really only hinted at it that she was this person for one panel. And they were like, I have you have many names, which... And the only reason she was there was to give Wonder Woman this, this, dagger. this dagger that could fell a Superman. That's okay. Wonder Woman was only there to murder Superman to prevent him from committing suicide. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. That's a line from the book that goes, so you would kill me to prevent me from committing suicide. And she was like, and I will do what I must to stop you. And that's exactly what she responded. Oh, she was also there to get hit on by Mr. Orr, who at that point was more like Mr. Orr. Which, that was a Brian uh, uh, Azarello pun right there. Yeah. Mr. Orr. So, uh, <laughs> let me let me go back to uh, this one issue, and I can't quite remember which issue it was, but bear with me just a second. But this is the whole setup where... Uh, 2007. Wonder, no, 2007. 2007. So, Mr. Orr... And, uh, like, just happens to walk in on Wonder Woman. Like, like he just knows where they are. Like, they're talking, and, and he just... Delilah. And he just comes in, and he's like, hey, I, I've been looking for y'all. Yeah. What up? <laughs> it's like, because I'm connected like that. I got game. Oh, it wasn't 207. Was it? Oh, well, yeah, so go ahead. Keep telling the story. I'm oh. going to try and find this. So, um, he walks in, and... Because Wonder Woman is talking to not Delilah... Hadia Halcyon, and Mr. Orr is like, yeah, uh, I'm here, I came looking for you, and Wonder Woman's like, who do you think you are? And he's like, I'm whoever you want me to be, and he just progressively seeks to, like, hit on her in the most awful ways possible. Like, he talks to her like someone who does not value his life. Yeah, so he's he's talking, and he basically says, he's like, I'm not afraid to die, toots. And he keeps talking to her, just like... And it's, like, the most aggressively misogynistic, like, women suck type of thing. Like, it, it only exists to, to uh, like, please me. So this is this. Uh, take this, sister, and slay the man. Is that what you used? To take down another like him? I cut his hair, and he took down a temple. What did you do to the, to the poet king? The same thing I used on the weak one. Use his knife to give me a head in return. Are you so inclined? So Wonder Woman picks up this dagger that she knows can kill Superman. And then all of a sudden, Orr walks in and says, Jesus, it's dusty in here. Why don't you ladies grab... Why don't one of you ladies grab a broom and clean it up? Why don't I use your tongue instead, says Wonder Woman? Because you'd never let go until I suffocate. <laughs> yeah! And he also does the, like, end of CSI... Like the down, down, like he just like tilts down the glasses. Is like, all right, there we go. So he says that, basically making a cunnilingus joke. I'm gonna go down on you so good <laughs> that you will never want me to leave. And then he just continues going with it, and then it gets into like some really weird Brian Azarello punnage, where it's like, listen, what I have to say before you feed me something you have more of a taste for. How's he up? Blue wants blue into the yonder, or six feet under. Why? And Halcyon's like, my country. And then <laughs> Rorg picks up, tis of he he, you cutie, keep things on the QT. No one knows much about you, but connecting the dots is easy when the history book does it for you. What kind of bullshit beat poetry is Orr doing in the middle of this? <laughs> It is, it is like the most out of place. It makes no sense. 
And it's like, I don't see anyone, even Azarello, like, he must have just gotten to a point where he's just like, I don't know how to write this. So yeah. I'm just going to, like, just stream of consciousness, kind of roll with it, and see what comes out of it. He must have had Bongo sitting next to him and just like, my country, tis of hee hee. I mean, for a split second, he literally wrote this dude who was supposed to be, like, this badass mercenary as, like, what would happen if you were in a room with Wonder Woman and had, like, the most game in the world? Yeah. Like, where even the cheesiest things you He did say everything short good. of just motorboat both of them, yeah. and so you're like, peace! <laughs> and like, like, literally, all he had, he was, like, one bad pickup line away, like, did it hurt when you fell from heaven? Like, I'm surprised that's not yeah. in there. Oh, God. But then, like, Wonder Woman is kind of, like, working with him. We know the priest is kind of working with him now, too, because the priest wants the cure to the tumor. And then Superman's just like, well, here's priest, the, dude, here's the thing. I, I think I figured out what's going on. It's not so much that they're working for him. It's just that and it's he's not well written that way, but he's pulling their strings. So, like, Wonder Woman shows up and she's worried that Superman is losing it. And he plays it. It's like, well, he's got this box and this box makes people disappear. He wants to know where these people went. Guess what he's going to do? He's going to make himself disappear, and then how screwed are we going to be? You need to go stop that, and you know that he's going to give you a fight, so you need to be ready. Meanwhile, with the priest, it's like, you know your buddy Superman, he can do all these great things. What he can't do? Save your life. Why can't he save your life if he's such a great guy? So he just keeps playing on all their insecurities and just, like, amping it up, almost like the little devil on the, you know, yeah. on the people's shoulders. That, that's literally what his character is, but he does, he's not written that well. He just looks like he's like, I'm at the right place at the right time, I'm going to say this, and shit's going to work. Like, listen, for some reason I'm here. <laughs> I'm going to say some stuff. Yeah. And then, There's this no- is this is like immediately after Superman was just like, hey, priest, dude, you trust me? Like, yeah, I trust you. I want to take you to the fucking iceberg. <laughs> so he takes him to the Fortress of Solitude, shows him this orb. Meanwhile, Wonder Woman's right behind him. Mr. Orr's in a helicopter above him. <laughs> and then Wonder Woman's just like, I'm going to take you down. Superman is like, well... If you're going to do that, I may as well just end it now. <laughs> then he grabs onto the orb. He's just like, I'm going to kill myself. And then she whips out the dagger, like, cuts him in his cheek so he bleeds. And she's like, just so you know, I can totally do this. And he's like, so you're going to kill me to prevent me from getting suicide? Then he takes a speck of blood off of his cheek and flicks it so hard that it, like, damages the hilt of the dagger. None of that makes any sense, because all he's trying to do is figure out where everyone went. Yeah, all he needed to do was say, like, listen, Wonder Woman, like, Diana, uh, let's talk like Wonder Woman and Superman for just one panel, so we can kind of fill you in on this stuff. I don't know exactly what's going on, but it all has to do with this orb. And And I feel like somehow I'm connected to it. And that's all that they need to say, and I'm sure the Justice League would be like... All right, cool. We'll, we'll monitor the orb while yeah. you, it, you do your thing. But Superman just wants to do everything himself, and he's like such a loner, which is the opposite of Superman. Also, can we point out the irony of the Fortress of Solitude, and everyone's there? Everyone's at the Fortress of Solitude. <laughs> like, even though the guy's like, I'm just going to take a helicopter tour of the Fortress of Solitude. It's not an army helicopter. He just, like, took the flyby tour. He's got the Channel 5 news <laughs> newscopter. <laughs> There's, like, a vigil going on outside there for no reason. There's, like, a zipline there from the uh, National Park right across the way. <laughs> I hear you can ride donkeys up to the Fortress of Solitude. <laughs> I'm just saying, not very remote, considering everyone and their mother in the storyline yeah, got in there. it was ridiculous. It's just like every other page, I'm like, there's a new character here? Also, There's a new character? There, there's also a really weird transition, because he disappears and goes off, and at some point, off-panel or 
takes the the priest and yeah lives up to it. but we don't see him the priest walking off with him he last we saw he was in the arctic going like Ugh. and now all of a sudden he's hanging out like strapped to a table and like they're gonna take care of you like you didn't even see the priest actually succumb to the temptation yeah he just kind of was like okay this the happened. priest just kind of did it but not before superman was just like all right i'm going to do it and then he just, like, it sucks into the world. I mean, even if they had a panel, it's like, goddamn cancer blackouts. Yeah. Like, like something. Where he's just like, oh, shit, what? <laughs> but, yeah, so Superman jumps into the orb. And uh, the priest totally goes against Superman. And now that he sees this, that Superman's fucking dead anyway. Oh, yeah. That, maybe that's it. Superman was just like, all right, like well, assault. Superman committed suicide. Diana, you're just kind of sitting there with somehow your tits haven't popped out. <laughs> Uh, so let's just go ahead that's and I'll go with this power. guy. Yeah, that's her super tower. She's got a she's got a, a corset that just never pops down. This is still like very seductive looking Diana before they gave her pants before they took it away again. <laughs> and gave her more like an armor type of thing. But yeah, it's it's like this is such a mess. It and is. then the next issue we come back and, we... and Superman is inside the orb and it turns out this orb is a second phantom zone that Superman himself had created. Almost like like out of nowhere he's just like oh it all makes sense Which or was weird. it the Clark Kent robot the, that the Clark Kent robot here's the thing there were so many ways that could have been done better like he would could have woken up like disoriented and in comes freaking Clark Kent like flying yeah and he's just like what the hell and they were like splash page like more like the answer next issue instead literally like he uses it there's a flash and the next thing he's talking calmly mind you to, to a, a Clark robot Kent. Clark Kent and, like, and he's and in, like, a, clearly a dream state, and you're we like, don't know what the hell a, is going on here? The thing is, we don't even know he's a robot, though. We just see Clark Kent flying, and you're like, what the... F is, did he have a break from reality? Yeah. And then you come to find out that all of it is, like, it's almost, like, memento. Like, he has that moment right at the end where everything clicks, and it turns out that Superman, in an extreme moment of paranoia, was worried that, much like... His planet blew up, and they sent him out and saved a portion of the civilization. He's worried, what if there's an extinction-level event, and the Earth is lost, and he'll lose everything, including his wife. So he creates, essentially, a safe zone. Superman did the most millennial thing he could, and created a literal <laughs> safe zone, or safe place, for, for himself and everyone else. They're making fun of my 116th Cherokee heritage. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he, he put like he found this like corner of the phantom zone and like <laughs> like Martha stewarded it into like awesomeness so now it's like mini metropolis called Metropia and he, he created a bunch of Superman and Clark Kent because at this point why do you need super he like, created a bunch of robots and the robots were Clark Kent the robots were also his parents yeah. Like, he basically, like, did a bunch of robots for everyone from Krypton, and then he, he knew that it was going to be, like, a perpetual war between everyone else that was in the... He stepped for wife that shit. Yeah. <laughs> Everything's a robot in this one. And I'm just, like, looking at it, and this is where my, my shit was immediately lost. Where I just could not make sense of one thing to another. Because like, it was very jarring, mm -hmm. and a lot of what was explained was implied. And then when we see Lois Lane, not only... First of all, the hottest Lois Lane I've ever seen. Because Lois it's Lane not should not Lois, be this hot. It's not Lois Lane. He drew Wonder Woman and named her Lois. The, the boobs down to like the freaking old school. She's wearing a Greek robe hanging in an apple tree 
picking fruit. All right, now on what planet does a reporter from a metropolitan city suddenly, it's one year, bro, not like seven years down the line, one year, and suddenly, like, I have a feeling like when, like, Superman set that up, he put, like, the hotness factor in. He's like, this is my safe zone, and I want my Lois Lane to look like Wonder Woman so I could finally have the threesome in one person. Listen, I've had a Greek <laughs> fetish for my entire life. Metropia is nothing but Greek mythology yeah. with some Kryptonian robots hanging out there. But yeah, so the whole thing is just like Lois Lane knows that she's hanging out with robots. She figured it all out. She figured it all out and she's just like, she's cool with it. She's stuck here anyway, why not? And all the other millions of people that vanish, they're in there too, even though we don't see them. And they're, well, you kind of see them like she, she casually walks up and they're like living their lives. They're all doing the, the Tex Avery tongue out. Aruga, aruga, it kind of like... It looks like an episode of, like, Xena Warrior Princess, like, the opening montage where she's just, like, walking through the city. So, they're, like, hanging up their linens and stuff. And she's like, eh. And she's like, but then there's the warlords that are done. And that's when you find out that the reason the vanishing happened is Zod. Yet another Zod. The fourth iteration of Zod in this post-crisis continuity. Yeah. he. Neither of them the real Zod. No. He's a Zod from some alternate part of the Phantom Zone. And he found out that Superman built this thing. And so he invaded it because it's much better than the crap that is the Phantom Zone. And he's like, wow, this is really cool. I could set up my empire here. And then proceeds to, like, turn on the device that Superman, after he built it, decided he was never going to use. So he wiped his mind. So he, like, men in blacked himself. It's like, it's gone. And so Zod somehow activated it. All of this is mentioned off panel. Yeah. We never know how he activated it, how he captured and i did not know any of this until i hit the internet and i was like please someone explain it to me and even when someone was explaining it it had a bunch of question marks in it it was just like i guess this happened because that's that's the, the kind one, of the person who had the best explanation was still like I, I still can't understand why this happened but i guess this happened i'm like i'll accept it that is my canon yeah and it was just weird because so, so somehow he's in the phantom zone he finds this nice zone decides to take it over activates this thing kidnaps a bunch of people but even though he has superpowers and they don't, still can't take the place over because of those pesky superbots. And then Superman's like, oh, right, I did all this shit. It was me. Yeah. Oh, it was me all the time. I was the killer. It came back to him right after he banged the crap out of Lois. Like, twice! <laughs> twice he did! The He's... blue balls thing kind of came in, and then you see her draped in the cape, and she's looking all sexy and stuff. And then, like, they go through some more explaining, and then right after that, they're in bed again. Okay, so I, they're I, completely I... naked, and she's like sweating, and he's just like, "Man, I missed this." So I, I, I've kind of discovered. You ever watch Seinfeld? No. <sighs> okay, there's, there's. I've seen several episodes. I love the episodes I've seen. I've never sought it out. So there was one episode where um, Elaine is trying to hook up with a doctor. And the doctor just is like, he's a med student, but he can't get his crap together. So she decides that she is going to refrain from having sex. Because all the guy wants to do is have sex, so he has no time to study. So she refrains from having sex, and the dude does immaculate, like, because he's not having sex. Similarly, George decides to give up having sex because he's tired of failing, and suddenly he becomes, like, an Einstein. Like, he's bed making Ugh. all of these, like calculations and figuring things out and he's no longer the bumbling idiot that he was and are you saying that in true superman fashion this is a bizarro situation no actually there, there's there's a pathway to this so <laughs> elaine goes without sex and then suddenly gets dumber 
<laughs> because the whole time she's like, uh, yeah, that word. And she's trying to think of like the word door. And then like Jerry points out, it's like, oh my God. She's like, what? It's like the lack of having sex. It's like, what do you mean? It's like, well, for men, it's like, we're always thinking about sex. So when you take it away, it leaves room for all of this like <laughs> knowledge to fill in. But you, the other way around, sex is like garbage that comes out to you and you if you don't take it out you get a buildup of this garbage and you just become dumber because all that's left is like this garbage from not having sex so superman in essence is a woman <laughs> in this is he doesn't have sex and just gets perpetually dumber and dumber has suddenly has sex and is like back to being like super smart like i was saying the bizarro superman <laughs> Is Superman really bizarro and all? <laughs> that would actually was be that a better, the other twist. That would actually be a better twist than like half of the ones that were in here. <laughs> yeah, the very first thing should be me. I'm no Superman, <laughs> <laughs> and that would have immediately made everything great. Or the very last line was just like, "Who is going to save me? Me, I'm no Superman." And we're like, "It was bizarro the whole time." <laughs> oh. But it, it was it was pretty bad, and and none of the the Wait. oh. I was going to say, none of the storylines really got wrapped up in any meaningful way. Yeah, and then, like, the reveal that Zod was behind it all, it's just like, what? It was just tacked on. It's tacked on. It doesn't look like Zod. It looks like a Zod that's wearing, like, this giant, like, BDSM armor, and he's got a dog. Well, the reference... Named Equus. The reference to that... Well, no, he... he, Equus got lost in the Vanishing the second time, and so Zod just like, oh, you're bloodthirsty like me. I'll hire you. Yeah. And obviously Zod has power because he's not just like a regular person because Equus listened to him. Like, Equus could have been like, I'm going to take over now. Fuck you. It's like, no, he can beat my ass too. So mm-hmm. no. um, So then uh, Equus and Zod come in. They wreck all of the Superman robots and the Jor-El robots and everything. And all of a sudden, Wonder Woman, I mean, not Wonder Woman. I, I messed up and called her Wonder Woman. Lois Lane. She, she looks like Wonder Woman and she does the Wonder Woman stuff because she's hanging out in Greek robes. She's brandishing a spear and fighting off these Phantom Zone guys. And meanwhile, the whole time, it's just like, no one really cares about these Phantom Zone guys. It's like, oh yeah, it happens in this realm. That's why I created the robots to kind of, it's like a game they play. Yeah. And that was another thing that kind of threw me off too. I was like, so you knew this was going to happen, so you made the robots, so it's like a game that happens every single day. It's a cycle. This is just what happens. Whatever. Why would it be safe? Yeah, like, like, why would you want more, like millions of people to escape in here in, a, in an event of a cataclysmic? What's really funny is that he didn't even come to that decision. His wife, what Lois, after he did everything and he explained it, was just like that was an awful idea. So I have to ask: Did she mind wipe him too? Like, or did he mind wipe her? Because like, it it's kind of seemed like he had a conversation with her, unless he built it and then just thought about her and like that wouldn't appease her morality. I'm not sure, but, like, it's clearly mentioned, it's, like, like, he references Lois, and then he's, like, and then I did away with it, and got rid of it, and mind-wiped myself, essentially. And then, hold on, because it gets more confusing. Yeah. Because that priest that got taken away, meanwhile, is being turned into an OMAC. Well... The one-man army corps. Now, here's the funny thing. His name was actually... I read it as Pilati, but it's Pilate, like, Pontius Pilate. Yeah. Hence the biblical. There's a lot of random biblical like things thrown in there, but yeah, his actual pro- designated the name, actual name is Pilate. It is Pilate. Like it that's that was the title because Equus was his project. Project Equus created the Equus bad guy, which is weird because they just basically named him Project Horse and he looked nothing like a horse. Yeah. But he this like one a piranha this, from Street Sharks. Yes. This one looked like the same thing, used the same technology, 
souped him up, cured him of the cancer, but augmented him. And they're like, well, we can't cure your cancer without turning you into this. I was like, someone should, <laughs> someone should have really read that to him. Because I'm pretty sure he was like, I want to be cured of cancer. Okay, okay, we could do that. Is there any fine print to this? Nah, none whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> and then he just wakes up, he's like, holy crap, I'm a piranha man. He wakes up in a and there's like, vat oh. of, like, fluid. He's got the the breathing cord like hooked up to his face. He's like, and he's all like, like covered a, in like wires and. Your name is no longer Father John. It's Pilot Pontius Pilot. We thought you'd appreciate the biblical reference there because you, go. you killed Jesus. <laughs> you were the reason Superman died. And that, so then he somehow gets inside the orb. Well, the, the no, it's actually the other way around. So um, Superman and Equus are having this big fight. This is, like I said, the worst part about it is there's so much good imagery, but no explanation for what the images are. So, after Zod, Zod, Equus, and Superman are all fighting. For no reason. For, well, for a reason. Zod wants Metropia. For, as far as we Superman's know, at defending. the moment this fight is no, going on, yeah, there's, there's no reason. There's no, there's no explanation. No, no, no motive is ever given to us for anything that happens in this entire story until it's after the fact, way at the end. But, yeah. And so, this is like... One of the worst cases of that. So what winds up happening is they sent Pilot over to the area where Superman disappeared from. And these three are fighting, and they activate the device and return everyone back, including Superman, Equus, and Zod. The thing is, they're, apparently it's like a transport. It's not like instantaneous transportation. So they're going through a zone, and they're still battling it out. So... Superman fights Zod, knocks Zod out, offers to save Zod, and Zod's like, fuck you, bitch! And actually, when he offers to save Zod, it is, like, a panel-for-panel, like, uh... Sixteen Chapel style. It's the Sixteen Chapel! It's like... Superman is God reaching out to him, and then, like, Zod is the human, kind of, like, waiting to, like, touch him. Then obviously it goes, Sonic! (laughs) (laughs) And then, fucking, uh, Equus comes back, and Pontius Pilate, like, comes back, but... In really weird and non-explained shitty fashion, I'm assuming his programming is supposed to help Equus. But he's like, no, fuck this, I'm going to fight that dude. So he goes and fights Equus, and they get stuck, and they get teleported to God knows where. Yeah, where they fight forever. Where they're basically stuck in, like, combat forever. So that's just how to wipe them off the board. That's how he got rid of his cancer. (laughs) He became a monster who got stuck in a pocket reality and fought another monster forever. Is it worth it? No. (laughs) No, no, I want to see the pharmaceutical commercial for that one. <laughs> none, none of this is worth. <laughs> Symptoms may include being stuck in an alternate universe and fighting forever. Symptoms may include gym lead like muscle, also erectile dysfunction. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> anal leakage. <laughs> oh my god! Stuck in a pocket dimension to fight off those monsters forever. Also, you yourself are a monster. But, but yeah, so then it all of a sudden just ends. Everyone's restored. Almost no closure whatsoever. It's just like all the stuff that just he was complaining about for 12 issues, uh, it's over now. Then it ends on a very like downbeat vote where he's just like, wow. So I managed to save everyone in here. I guess that's really cool. But in the end, when it comes to it, who will save me? Dunno. Then he walks off. And that's it. Meanwhile, we get like a one panel, like final appearance of Halcyon ever, where she's like playing with sand. <laughs> <laughs> I'm building a castle, yay! 
it, it sounds really bad because this almost sounds like it could segue into Grounded. Yeah. Who will save me? I'm going to go for a walk. It really is. Like, <laughs> this This should have been... Like, if this went into it... If, if fucking this woman slapped Superman because of this, that would have made so much more sense. Just walked up and was just like, Go! <laughs> My husband died of cancer. I was like, no, he's in a pocket dimension. <laughs> you know, if I get another what's monster. funny, we never even addressed the whole Batman kind of cameo in this. Oh, we are going to address it. Okay. So, uh, we just basically wrapped up the entire story. And as you can tell, it made about as much sense as the explanation we So, gave. if I were to give you the elevator pitch, basically, Superman creates a like a alternate phantom zone because he fears the world will get destroyed and he wants a place for them to go if something gets destroyed gets talked out of it and he goes like you know what? it was stupid mind wipe general zod realizes that something happened to the phantom zone he somehow just like activates the thing it just like causes the vanishing then in somehow a middle eastern despot gets his hand on the vanishing thing and uses that as like his ultimate weapon against all of his enemies. This would have been a lot better as an Elseworld story, so at least yep. it wouldn't be in continuity. You wouldn't be as confused going into it, and they could have had more time to flesh it out and less time to just throw in all these cameos that went nowhere. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Superman, feeling really down, goes and visits the church, talks to a, a priest that he knows is dying because a dying man can keep a fucking secret. And... Meanwhile, the whole time, like, Halcyon is playing with sand and... Do you think Gazzarella like just That's broke it. down and started trying to, like, read Daredevil during this shit? I think it might have been. Because <laughs> this reads there's just, some like... things that just don't work. This just reads, like, oh, you know what? Daredevil talks to priests. Yeah. Why Why? Why wouldn't Superman? Yeah. It, it A lot of it doesn't work just because the storyline in and of itself. A reality, like, event occurred and Superman just gave up. It's a year later. Superman gave up. The heroes moved on. I'm going to reference this because we're going to come back to it at some point in one of our podcasts. But fucking Infinite Crisis, one chick dies. No, no, <laughs> it's not Fifth Car. Identity Crisis, one chick dies. And all the superheroes lose their shit and try to figure out who killed this one person. And it leads to, like, nonsense. Freaking Heroes in Crisis. Yes, we'll get to that one too. <laughs> fucking one of their salvation places. A couple of heroes die. Like, 20 fucking people die. All, like, lesser-named superheroes, except for maybe five of them. Three and million people vanish in this one, and all the superheroes are just like, like fuck, fuck Superman. <laughs> like, that's Superman's problem. That it. It's like, did everyone know that Superman was the problem except for Superman? Like, what was the deal with that, too? Like, no, it was really awful, because no one was like... They didn't even acknowledge that Lois was missing. Yeah. Batman was just like, dude, you need to stop being a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and Superman was like... In completely, like, non... Like, it, this is the part that... This is why I said it almost reads like an Elseworld. Because he was so... It was so much Superman doing a Batman that he's like, I never liked you. Just straight up, like, I fucking hate you, Batman. Yeah. And it's like, he's never done that. He, at the end of the day, Superman always, always admires fucking Batman. He always tries to pull him back from the edge. Having a characterization where he's like, Dude, fuck you. You don't know what I've been going through. I hate yeah. your guts. Just make Superman like Then he slams like, the door bitch. and runs away. Like, you don't know me! <laughs> Which is weird, because, like, even in, like, the Emperor Joker storyline, like, he went through hell and back for Batman, because it's like, this is the best man I know. Like, that's that's been the begrudging respect. It's like, the dynamic is, Batman views Superman as a dude with all this power, but, like, doesn't have, like, the will to use it, but respects the fact that he's got so much restraint, because he could easily just take over. Mm. Which is what, like, the movie was trying to, like, establish the paranoia that Batman was worried about Superman. Superman simultaneously says, like, here's a dude 
who's just a dude, but he's got the most will of anyone I know. Like, there's nothing he won't beat because he's got the resolve to make it happen. He never gives up. He is the most human human that I know. Like, he makes being human superhuman. Yeah. And that's always been that begrudging respect. Like, whether they're antagonizing each other, whether they're at each other's throats, there's that underlying respect that they understand and respect each one's viewpoint. In this one, he's like, I lost my wife. Fuck you, bro. I haven't got laid yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Superman just turns angry when he doesn't get laid. Like, fuck you, bro. He's like, you can borrow Catwoman. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised. That didn't Dude. <laughs> Let me introduce you to a couple other women. <laughs> they go there. Any one of the birds they of prey will be there. happy. Mr. Orr walks out. Wait your turn. Like, yeah. <laughs> so here we go. So up until now, we've done things uh, where we give awards for each one of these, but we, we kind of want to switch over a little bit. I, No matter how much shit talk we did for this, understand that we shit talked out of passion for this. We genuinely love these bad stories and we want you to pick these up we want you to go to your local comic book shop and we want you to see all these issues and we want you to experience it for yourself just how incomprehensible it was and maybe we made it more comprehensible for you but before we go what i want to do is give you a couple reasons why you should buy this shit talk aside yeah these are some of the real standouts of it and the first one that i would say is that if you ever wanted to see what a failed Batman story that was repurposed into a Superman story reads like. This is it. Because there have been stuff that repurposes it. Like even Jonathan Hickman's current X-Men run is basically repurposing a pitch that he did for Legionnaires or Legion of Superheroes for DC. Then he's just like, all right, I'll just do it in the X-Men. So we see this all the time, but we've never seen something so incompatible. Yeah. as this and the whole time you're reading it it does read like this should be a Batman story that was just kind of like hijacked by someone who wanted to turn into a Superman story and then it incorporated a bunch of really huge elements that the writer was not interested in whatsoever well, see what's really funny is to me I actually took it one step further I, I read it like if you just slap the image banner on the comic book yeah. instead of DC if this was Supreme yeah. instead of Superman? If, if it was Supreme instead of Superman, this comic would make absolute sense. Because it was all about... Uh, let's not jump ahead. Not absolute sense. There was still a lot that does well, not make well, sense. Well, that's... that. Oh, that's, hey, image! <laughs> thank you! That's what my... It doesn't need to make sense. It, it just has to look pretty. Yeah. And that was... pretty. That was the thing. It, it... I mean, it wasn't his best artwork, but it was pretty. Like, it gave you new characters that were never used again. Like, Halicone does look pretty cool. Like, the mysterious chick with tattoos. Equus, as badly named as he is, is just, like, a hulking powerhouse. And then he fights another hulking powerhouse. Zod looks like the freaking nightmare character out of... Like, they took the failed idea for an armored Zod from the Russian and amped it up and made him, like, something out of a nightmare. Actually, if you go back and you watch the animated movie, The Thief and the Cobbler... Zod basically looks like one of the knights, the big bad knights at yes. the end of that. It's like perfect with the spikes. He's swinging like the big ball and chain stuff. Like it's right there. Next thing that I want to bring up: why you should read this. This was, thankfully, the very last leg of four attempts to resurrect General Zod in a post-crisis continuity and make him work. So they had four different interpretations of him. And this was the one that was just like, well, we got to kill this thing. We can't do this anymore, right? So sometimes the dawn is always darkest 
before the day. Well, the, because the next time Zod came back, he was real. Well, the thing is, I think after that, they finally realized what didn't work. Because they, they tried... The first time they introduced Zod, they killed him. And that was actually, funny enough, adapted for the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Superman had no choice but had to kill the guy. It was, there was no other way to beat him. Then they're like, well, he was so good, how do we bring him back? So it's like, we'll bring back a different version of him. And then that one kind of went nowhere because it was too much of a one-note character. Then they're like, okay, that didn't work. Let's bring back this character called Zod and see how we can tie him to Zod, but he's not actually Zod. And then they're like, that didn't work either. I mean, he, he was okay as a villain, but he wasn't Zod and people were upset. So now we're going to do this other one where Zod's been there the whole time, but like obviously he's aging and stuff and he just wants to like rule. That This one didn't work either. Then they figured out, it's like, let's just make him what he is, which is a general. Mm-hmm. And he's in the Phantom Zone because he got locked in there. But in his mind, he did nothing wrong. And he thinks that he knows. It's not so much that Zod's like, he doesn't go around saying kneel before Zod because he is like a dick and he just wants you to stroke his ego. It's because he honestly feels that he has enough knowledge to keep the world safe. And it's like, look, you guys didn't listen to me and the planet blew up. Yeah. <laughs> How about you let me run things and mm-hmm. you'll be safe? Yeah. But if you don't agree with me, I'll kill you. Which was in a storyline, really good storyline, by Jeff Johns, Richard Donner, yeah. who did the Superman movie, and drawn by Gary Frank, and it was such a good, if not like plagued by delays, but it, but it kicked off like some really good Superman like, stories. Like but you had to solid. see where that final nail had to be, and this was that final nail where they're like, uh, I don't think this is working, guys. We need to actually bring back Real Zod. Yeah. So what's another positive that you have, Bruno? Um, honestly, one of the big things is, um, I did like the, like, the, there was a lot of, one thing that Superman never has is a decent rogues gallery. He doesn't. That's why it's so hard to do, like, a hush version of Superman. Um, because all of All his, you have is Brainiac and Parasite. And, and, and Darkseid is, like, a, a, a Dark Side is like a, yeah, he's like a universe villain. So, I mean, you don't have mm-hmm. a lot, I mean... When you start combing through Superman's things, you wind up with, like, the Toy Man and the Prankster, and you're like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> we are boned. So, I mean, the, the fact is they were trying to introduce this. They had um, Halicone, which went nowhere, but sucked because they did lay the groundwork for this mysterious character who may or may not be Delilah, who's been an immortal and has this ability. And you would at least think that Brian Azzarello would pick up with her when he did wonder woman in the new 52 because that's like seems like what fits so well and then there's there's mr Orr, who is this freaking mercenary but he's like a ballsy dude who's always got like plans and he's always got plans and plans and he has the ability to just show up at the right place so yeah so you have that you have uh, i mean equus was like a rent-a-thug but it did spark some really good controversy when like the and this is actually one of my favorite parts was Superman having a conflict with the Warlord, where he was, like, actually discussing the politics of, like, how much jurisdiction do you have because you're Superman? Like, are, are you able to overthrow because you're taking a moral standpoint the will of the people? Because the will of the people put me here. And Equus is just basically, like, what he said. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just here. Um, I didn't, I wasn't too thrilled with Zod, but that's just because the ending got really messy and didn't really make a lot of sense like it didn't even need to be Zod 
but it also would have been well, nice. Well, it wasn't really Zod. Well, it was a Zod, and it would have been the Zod had it actually taken off. I think it was, it wasn't Zed. No. It was like Zad or Zid or something. They were just going down the uh, alphabet and being like, which fake-ass Zod can we <laughs> kind of throw in this one? But I think one of the biggest things would have been nice to see, and it was good, was Superman's actual insecurity. It's like, what happens on the day that I'm not enough yep. to this Earth? And I think that alone could have been a series. Like, him... It would have been made more sense if he tried to make this world and failed and got stuck mm. and had to come out and we went a year without Superman than it would be the reverse where the world gets... It and he gets to see... A, you get to see a year of Superman without his world. Yeah. Another thing that I thought really cool was uh, going back to the Batman uh, confrontation that you had where you're just like, fuck you, Batman. <laughs> At the end of it, Batman takes his cowl off, and you can't tell if he's sweating or crying. Like, he little pisses his little bat pants. It's a bat tear. Yeah, he's got, like, a bat tear, and it's, like, smeared all over his forehead, too, so it's, like, it almost seems like he's sweating and crying. Well, well I think it, it I think it leans more towards the tears, because the whole concept is, like, bat, Superman's like... He's like, my best friend don't like me no more. Well, Superman's like, fuck you, like, what the fuck do you need to do? And he's like, listen, dude, I know... I, I lost everyone. I, I like I've lost people too. I know about grief. I'm I'm human. And he's like, remember, I'm Bruce Wayne. He's like, no, 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 no. You're Batman. Bruce Wayne's your mask. And he just takes his mask off and cries. And he's like, that was one too many, bro. That hurt. It hit me right in the bat heart. <laughs> I was thinking that too. Another thing that I love about this. Another reason you should pick it up. Jim Lee does not draw the best Superman. No, I he think doesn't. we've already established that the new 52 redesign was awful. It was famously done away in big fashion when Brett Bendis came back and he's just like, "Listen, I'll come back, but the only way I'll come back those red is if I get the t if I get the underwear back. I need the underwear." And but the one thing that really stands out aside from, you know, the usual hot Diana, hot uh, Lois Lane, he draws the hell out of some super stubble. Superman's got stubble on him every single pan panel for, like, most of this. And it actually doesn't look that bad. It's a new take on Superman that I've never seen before where he's so depressed that he's got, like, a 5 o'clock shadow throughout the entire thing. You, you, you did skirt past one issue, or not one issue, but one point. It's going to appeal to some of our market. Wonder Woman's ass. <laughs> There's a great ass shot right there. Like, he draws the hell out of some women... But he draws the hell out of Wonder Woman. There's like one part for no reason at all. It's just like a little. You get a shot between her legs. The corner. <laughs> you get the corner of like a corner picture, and it's just straight up like Wonder Woman's badunka dunk. That's yeah. it. <laughs> you get the view of the Fortress of Solitude from between Wonder Woman's legs, <laughs> and you get like the little ass cheeks kind of hanging down, and the skirts blowing just enough to be like, oh, she is wearing panties, but there's enough skirt in the way to make me feel like she's not. <laughs> and then the very last reason that you should definitely buy this is because Azarello does his best beat poetry throughout this. And it's like so cringeworthy that it is like amazing to me. If you ever see something so bad that you're like, this is a perfect example how this should never be done. Azarello has a style where when he was doing Hellblazer, when he did the Batman Broken City, when he did 100 Bullets, he has a very good like tempo to it. And it's not for me. I don't really like a lot of Azarello's stuff. But it is so hilarious trying to take that super dark noir style that he has and adapt it into a like a 
a world that's a lot brighter usually or has associated with a lot brighter and having superman speak like that you know what it reminds me of if you've seen into the spider spider-verse when Nicolas Cage plays yeah. Spider-Man Noir That's and it. delivers it with Nicolas Cage's like Oh god, delivery. Nicolas Cage was also almost Superman. So there's your <laughs> connection. <laughs> the Tim Burton. It's it's literally like that. He writes it like as if Nicolas Cage was saying these lines. Just plays writes this really dark noirish type stuff, mm-hmm. but in a Superman comic book where everything's supposed to be like brighter and happier. Mm-hmm. So then it comes off really weird. What's supposed to be flirtatious comes off as like I need an adult. I need an adult. <laughs> <laughs> And the very last reason that you should definitely read this is because this is Henry Cavill's favorite Superman story, which explains everything that we've seen on the screen. Let me read you a quote. This is when he was uh, doing press for Mission Impossible Fallout. You know, the movie that he wasn't able to shove, uh, shave his mustache for? The, the so movie for that all wrecked, of Justice League? The uh, movie that wrecked Justice League. No, there was a lot more wrong with Justice League. No, 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 the reshoots. It wrecked the reshoots. It wrecked the reshoots was a Superman's weird, puffy cut You know, palette. they're still arguing about the Snyder Cut, like wanting to see Who the, wants to see that? I want to see that. I do, because I still want to see, like... I want to see that if only to be like, now shut up, it was always going to suck. <laughs> <laughs> like, Snyder, you can't save this because... It was always it bad. bad to begin with. But let me go ahead and read you a quote from Henry Cavill. I'm a huge fan of Superman comic books, obviously, and we've covered a lot of the really good stuff from the comics. No. No, you, no, you did not. But I digress. But I can say, one of my favorite books is Superman for Tomorrow. That one, I think, would certainly draw some inspiration from that. I think it would make a really good movie. It would make an awesome movie if you want people to leave within the first 30 minutes. The, the problem is the premise of it, it would make a better, like, one of those animated ones where, like, oh, everyone disappears. It's like, Superman, 30 minutes. 30-minute uh, Superman Do you notice that adventures. Even, like, even Marvel figured out, like, oh, the blip, this happened. Cool. But we're not going to dwell on it. Like, yeah. Let's just get yeah, to that, the action. That's it. Like, everyone figures out that the world sucks. You know, sucks. I kind of feel like the reason they didn't dwell on the blip was just like, you see how they fucked up Superman for tomorrow? <laughs> we can't make this into a thing. You know what sucks is, though? I feel really bad because, like, Henry Cavill... I, I, I feel like he's a decent Superman. He's a decent Superman, but something about him... Those I, last, like, two scenes in Justice League were the best in the entire DCEU up until Shazam. I was going to say, the best thing I honestly was going to say was his, his no-face cameo in Shazam, where he's just like... Yeah. That was it. Like, the, the thing about him is, like, he looks the part, and he definitely, like, Man of Steel, I did like it up until the final third act... Because he did a really good job of playing, like, I was, I thought I was normal, but I knew there was something off about me. I have these powers, but, like, now it's time for me to do something about them. And those, the only other problems I really had with Man of Steel was the third act in Jonathan Kent's portrayal. Like, I'm sorry, it pissed me off. You don't like Kevin Costner? Fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> like, he was the worst Jonathan Kent ever. Son, there's a tornado coming. You go back in there, I'll go fix the, t- I'll, the is wrong with, you're like, gonna die you know he's an alien that can survive this right like like listen nobody's gonna ask questions if he saves them because they're alive yeah he's like i could throw you back in the tornado oh okay you know what we didn't see a damn thing mm-hmm. no no instead he's like people are gonna hate you i was like bro did, did they accidentally recruit you from an x-men movie ah. like what the f- happened so like no i didn't like him as 
Jonathan Kent because I don't think he did justice to the character of its nature. Jonathan Kent has always been the one that's like the Uncle Ben. His morality. Mom's his heart. Jonathan Kent has always been his morals. Like, this is do the right thing. That's how my pop, my pa taught me. Smallville did it great with Jonathan Kent because it basically every time Superman got lost, Jonathan grounded him. Mm-hmm. So the fact that Kevin Costner was like, no, people are going to be scared. Don't use your powers. Don't do any good in the world. Just keep your fucking head down, son. I'm going to, like, what, what? He was a farmer. He existed during the draft. What did he do during the war? No. This, <laughs> I, you've got me thinking. I think when Henry Cavill said they've already covered a lot of really good stuff from the comic, they just took, like, the nihilist Superman from Brian Azzarello's already. They've already, like, partly... Yeah. Just adapted it. But with that being said, we're going to go ahead and put a pin on this. This yeah. was Superman for Tomorrow, yeah. 2005 through 2006. Brian Azzarello, Jim Lee, spanning 12 issues, number 204. Superman, number 204, all the way to Superman, number 215. And with that being said, we know, we know that you can't make sense of anything that's going on right now. We know that the world is turned upside down and you can't figure out which way is left, which way is right, and which one is Superman, which one is Batman, because they're both the same fucking character. So we're going to go ahead and leave you off. We're going to go ahead and leave you off with some recommendations that you can go for this. A couple other things that you definitely want to check out when you're in the comic book scoping out this one. Do you want to go first, Bruno? Yeah. Um, Well, for my recommendations, I actually have two. Uh, The first one is if you want to see Superman artwork that's done a bit better and a storyline that's more coherent, you got Superman Unchained. Also um, by uh, Jim Lee. Uh, so Scott Snyder. Yeah, Scott Snyder. And it's uh, New 52. So it is a bit of a departure from the continuity that was in this one. But it introduced the story of Wraith, the Superman that existed, that was caught by the military and raised by the military. Um, so there was that nice little parallel between like what would happen if Superman was raised in the military and he's running off on these missions. And then uh, Superman, and then there's like the juxtaposition of setting up Sam Wayne as a antagonist but also having Lex Luthor there play his part and it plays off like a typical thing. It's it's not the most exciting Superman story, but it's at least a Superman story done well. The characterization is on point for what you'd expect Superman to do. Um he's not sitting there trying to act like Batman. He's drawn and he's always trying to do the best he can. Um my other recommendation is actually for what this almost tried to be but done right superman injustice especially volume one which is um the prequel to the video game so in this one a quick story uh the joker decides he's bored with batman and tackles on superman and sets up superman um with kryptonite laced fear toxin that allows him to hallucinate that doomsday is attacking the city and it's not actually Doomsday, though. It's Lois, who just recently was announced as pregnant with his kid. So he takes Doomsday into space, not realizing it kills not only his wife, not only his unborn child, but Joker one up them and put a bomb that was attached to her heart sensor. So when her heart died, Metropolis went with it. So Superman has no city, lost his, his legacy, which would have been his unborn child, and lost the love of his life all in the same moment and he's grieving and joker got caught and superman uh like wants to face him and batman's like you need to let this go and he's like no and he just punches a hole through joker and then he realizes like 
these sick men. Like, I thought I could play the rules. I thought I could be a good guy. But the only thing that they understand is death. So mm. if I get rid of them, the world will be safer. I'm so tired of picking up all these messes. There will never be another Metropolis incident like this again. And so he starts off with the intention of trying to save the world and make sure that no one suffers like he does and sets himself up as a dictator where he, at, after he got, gets rid of all the villains... He's just like, I'm going to start telling the government how to run things because I'm tired of them killing themselves too. Mm-hmm. And then he... <clears throat> it's a really quick slippery slope to see how much without the people that ground him, he can become the threat that everyone fears. And I kind of feel like this is starting to do that, but then it's like, no, we still... It's in continuity. Yeah. So we have to peel it back and let him find hope. It's again. as in continuity as probably that (laughs) story though because nothing from here was ever referenced again that's true but my recommendation i actually got two because i want to give one for a good well-written story and also one for jim lee's artwork and the first one i want to do is actually something that went side by side with this and i almost feel like this was the story that jim lee was just like that's the guy i want writing superman he was writing Lex Luthor, Man of Steel, five-issue miniseries yep. with Lee Bermejo, who would go on to do The Joker. He would also go on to do Batman Damned. And he's also, like, frequent collaborator with him. But this was focusing strictly on Lex Luthor and how he went through, how he viewed Superman. And it was not in the same continuity as this one, but it was, like, very much him seeing Superman as a godlike figure. And he's just like, no person needs to have that much power. I'm going to do whatever I need to make sure it happens. So we can see a lot of motivations behind him. And also, Mr. Orr was in this. And Mr. Orr actually had decent characterization in this. So you knew what was going on. You could follow his actual story. Yeah. Great one. My second one. And this actually will follow into the next episode that we've got. The best Jim Lee artwork I've ever seen in a DC comic. And I've thought about Hush. I love Hush. I mean, it's it's not as great as people like to say it is. It's very much a popcorn read. You get what you get. But it's beautiful all the way through. And then when it ends, you're like, oh, that was awesome. Oh, yeah. Right? But the best Jim Lee artwork, like, I don't like him drawing Superman. Batman all the way. He is at home in that universe. But when you read All-Star Batman and Robin the Boy Wonder by Frank Miller, the infamous All-Star Batman and Robin the Boy, uh, Batman and Robin the Boy Wonder, Wonder by Frank Miller and Jim Lee, it is readily apparent that, A, Frank Miller is fucking insane. He lost it. B, Jim Lee has never been better, and I was so sad for him that he was stuck right at drawing yes. <laughs> Batman and Robin All-Star, uh, the boy run, or whatever the fuck it was. It, yeah, it was, it's All-Star, because they, they've done an All-Star Batman and Robin, Yeah. Um, so they had to tie it back, and, and this one is known as All-Star Bat- Batman and Robin, the boy wonder. Yep, so he, next time we come back, guys, we're going to get really really into the crazy part of we Frank promise Miller. we'll actually do it this time this is <laughs> post 9-11 miller where it's not quite as crazy as the dark knight strikes again but it's still going into a part where it's just like i'm not sure i understand what's going on but it was crazy enough that they didn't even let him finish the series they didn't they, they were just, just like yeah, that. we're gonna we're they, done they, they kind of kevin smith it they kevin smith cacophonied it where they were just like yeah we'll finish it up later no no <laughs> you're no. never gonna do this again so join us next time as we go through, I think there were 10 issues? Uh, or was it nine? Uh, oh, no, it was 10. It was 10 issues. It was 10, and then they cut it off. There All right, was so 11 10-issue series that never got finished. Batman, and uh, all-star Batman and Robin, The Boy Wonder, 
by Frank Miller and Jim Lee. So if you can find that stuff, get the digital copy. I mean, don't get the digital copy. Go fucking into your no, no. comic book shop. Go into the comic book shop. Get- you want to see the stuff because actually there's like a the big sp- fold out. I was going to say the fold out. You is need to it. have this. It's like, I will tell you that. You, it you is, need to have it this. It is one of the best pictures of the Batcave you will ever get. So yep. get the he version really of it. Put it so put next it time we come back, we're doing that. In the meantime, guys, my name is Nick. My name is Bruno. So good night. And Feliz Navidad. Take care. Oh, God, it burns.